0: Anderson afternoons the podcast hello and thank you for checking out the podcast please rate the podcast please subscribe to the podcast and now the podcast Uh, joining us now uh, a gentleman who helps us out on stories every uh, every once in a while uh, CBS military consultant Jeff McCoslin and uh, Jeff uh, first of all good afternoon
1: Hal, good afternoon to you sir
0: yeah we're here to talk about your new book congratulations i like the name battle tested gettysburg leadership lessons for 21st century leaders and uh, you know um Leadership has become even, listen, obviously it's been important all along, but I think now with COVID and everything else that's going on in our world, leadership is even more important than it has been in the past. Would you agree with that?
1: I would totally agree with you, Hal, because right now I think one thing we would all agree upon on both sides of the border, frankly, between the United States and Canada, is that we are involved in a crisis. And in many ways, here in the USA at least, we might even argue we're involved in three crises. One, of course, being the pandemic. The second, of course, being a crisis of social justice and, frankly, political uh, unity and concern about democratic institutions. And last but not least, certainly, an economic crisis of significant proportion for many Americans. And I'm sure that's also true uh, in Canada. And, you know, in a particular book, we talk about the Battle of Gettysburg using it as a case study to look at how leaders actually lead during a crisis. Because, mm-hmm. you know, during a crisis, time is compressed. I would argue, and good leadership and bad leadership sticks out in more bold relief so you can see it more clearly. That's what we're trying to do as we elicit those particular principles and concepts of leadership that we think are most important, using examples from that particular battle. Mm
0: -hmm. What are one or two of the really important lessons you think we can learn from Gettysburg?
1: There's a whole bunch. You probably have 30 or more in the book, but I guess a couple that I would think about, of course, is the whole idea of empowerment, how I empower my team to make decisions, particularly during very, very difficult moments. And probably the whole battle revolves around a decision made by a young colonel name of Strong Vincent, who decides, contrary to his orders, to put you know, Union troops on little round top at a critical moment. Had he not done that on the second day, Confederates might well have taken that particular hill and won the battle. And the second, a really great one to me, is actually, of course, during the Gettysburg Address. Where, of course, Lincoln delivers the Gettysburg Address on the 19th of November. And that particular speech is a leader's re-al- recalibration of the vision for the organization. Up until that point, of course, the vision for the organization, the Union, had been to preserve the Union. But, of course, that speech ends up with Lincoln talking about a new birth of freedom. And that was done intentionally by Lincoln to link now freeing slaves with that preserving the Union. And he would go on from there, of course, to campaign in 1864, or re-election, with freeing the slaves, ending slavery in the United States, being part and parcel of what that war was all about.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, another, you mentioned Lincoln, obviously. Uh, something else I think about Lincoln is he wasn't afraid to say, uh, he wasn't afraid to admit to his mistakes,
1: right? Am I right about that? Absolutely correct. I mean, he, he, you know, he, he was very much to you have to lump your mistakes quickly, make changes, and move on. And, and you know, clearly... One example of that is how he goes through a whole series of generals until he finds the right general that he thinks can win the war, that being Ulysses S. Grant. And we see that at Gettysburg, where on the 28th of June, literally three days before this battle is fought, the most, the most uh, violent and largest battle ever fought on the North American continent, he fires the commanding general of the Army of the Potomac, a guy named Joe Hooker, and replaces him with a guy by the name of George Gordon Meade. Only three days before the battle, And Meade then, of course, leads the Union Army during the Battle of Gaysburg.
0: And these lessons uh, in the book, Battle Tested, I mean, these are, yes, they're for uh, presidents and prime ministers and politicians, but right down to businesses, managers, employees, right?
1: Exactly right. Again, the whole idea of encouraging initiative, everybody would be in favor of that. How do you create a climate that encourages initiative that got that guy strong, Vincent, to do what he wanted to do? How do you do effective communications Within an organization, <clears throat> how do you uh, set up a climate whereby the boss can be led by his subordinates? So they are free to tell the boss what he or she may not want to hear, but really wants to hear. The impact of technology has certainly played a role in the Battle of Gettysburg and clearly plays a role here in the 21st century. Those are a few examples yeah. where we see those things and talk about them using anecdotes in the Battle of Gettysburg, but also underscore how important those are to 21st century leaders, whether they're leading a small mom-and-pop type of operation or they're leading a major corporation, head of a major church, nonprofit organization, or a politician.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I've been a news director three times, twice in radio, once uh, in TV. I didn't enjoy it. I have a lot of respect for a good manager, a manager who knows how to motivate people, right, because somebody wants a pat on the back, somebody needs a kick in the butt, somebody wants more money. Uh, you, you understand that different people are motivated in, in different ways. I have incredible respect for a good manager, but a bad manager, oh, I don't think there's anything more frustrating than, uh than that i'll give you the final minute or so here uh on that
1: well yeah, there's no doubt about it and the definition we use throughout our discussion at Gazeberg comes from a guy by the name of dwight eisenhower a pretty good leader five-star general president of the united states he used to say leadership's about deciding what has to be done and getting others to want to do it and i always like that second part because mm-hmm. you might think if you've been a five-star general people are going to rush off what he's saying to us is, even at that level, I've got to get a certain amount of buy-in, as you suggest, if I'm going to get max performance from my team, no matter what that team might be.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, I really look forward to reading the book, Jeff. Battle-tested Gettysburg leadership lessons for 21st century leaders. How can people get it? Uh, Amazon, I imagine, and pretty much everywhere books are sold, eh?
1: Yeah, available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and anybody who sends me an email to uh, jeff at diamond six spell out six leadership.com if they send me an email uh, i'd be glad to send them an autograph book plate they can stick inside the book
0: oh very nice well i'm going to be doing that i'm going to send you an email and anybody out there if you miss jeff's email just send me a text or an email two zero four seven eighty sixty eight sixty eight or hal at com, and i'll make sure you get jeff's email jeff all the best with the book thank you for doing this and really appreciate your help on stories uh, over the past several months Hal, it's always a pleasure. Joining us now, Gord Delbridge, the president of QP Local 500. Gord, good afternoon.
2: Hi, Hal. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, I just want to read a paragraph of this letter. Uh, Basically, you were writing a letter back to the mayor, Mayor Brian Bowman, after he asked uh, for your help and the help of others in eliminating racism. And uh, I want to read one paragraph here that uh, really caught my eye uh, of your letter to Mayor Bowman. Mayor Bowman, as you recall, QP reached out to you and members of council regarding the employer's inability and unwillingness to deal with allegations of human rights abuses, including complaints of racism, bullying, and harassment in the workplace, unfortunately, the lack of appropriate investigation and response to these complaints have culminated in a toxic work environment and continued victimization of employees who have raised these concerns. That's pretty tough stuff.
2: It is. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's un- unfortunate that. Uh, you know we're in this predicament right now. We did um, make numerous attempts. We have been over the years, and um, you know ultimately. Polish.
0: Oh, you know what, Gord? We're we're kind of losing your cell signal. Maybe uh, put one hand in the air, or I don't know what you do to try and help the signal a bit. But we're losing you.
2: Okay, so hopefully this that's is better. better.
0: Go ahead, start again, please.
2: Okay, so, yeah, ultimately we've be, been having issues for years and uh, and we filed individual grievances. Um, as a result, we we ended up filing a policy grievance, basically a, a grievance on the city's um, respectful workplace policy. Um, the grievance was um, denied. It wasn't upheld. Um, we put forward a bunch of recommendations that we thought might assist with addressing some of these concerns. Um, they, they basically came back that, uh, that the, the grievance was denied um, they didn't have an issue with their with their current policy. It was shortly thereafter they they took it upon themselves without any consultation on on our behalf to to make some policy changes. And then the the mayor you know followed up saying that you know he's aware that there's a, a systemic problem that's taking place within the city, asking for our help, which I thought was quite contradictory to um, you know our, our policy grievance being um, denied and. Uh, that's the 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 position that we're in today i mean we're going to continue to try um you know working with the city um we've got a you know a common um you know concern with with addressing these issues we want to see the city of winnipeg being a successful um organization taking a leadership um position on, on on these issues and you know we're willing to to play our role and work together with the city on trying to address these concerns um, but the bill is going to be on, you know, come from both sides, right? So, um, mm. basically, that's where. Mayor we're
0: at. Uh, Mayor tells us he's not available uh, for an interview, but he did provide this statement. I'll read it to you, and then you can react. The mayor is pleased to see Mister Delbridge demonstrating a commitment to work together to combat racism. The mayor continues to believe it is important for all leaders in our community to acknowledge that systemic racism exists and to take action to address it within their areas of leadership and look forward to hearing Mr. Delbridge acknowledge that systemic racism exists.
2: Well, most certainly we do. That's why we filed the policy grievance that was denied by the city, which I was kind of surprised by. Um, We were hopeful that they were going to uphold the grievance, and we worked together on making some changes to address. Ultimately, that's not the position that they took. Um, however you know the, the mayor's comments are contradictory to the response that we got from the grievance um, but yet promising um, you know hopefully he can um, you know connect with his administration get them on the same page and once again we're willing to do everything necessary to to address these concerns um, you know I mean it you know it, it comes from the leadership that, that needs to to make the changes and to change a culture within the workplace and I think that the uh, um you know having the appropriate people in place having the direction you know from from the mayor and council um you know is, is what's going to change that culture and 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 that's what we're aiming for and, and we're more than willing to to take a supportive role in, in trying to address these concerns i mean ultimately this is something that we've been trying to address for for a number of years and uh eventually uh ended up with us having to pile of policy grievance um you know it's unfortunate it was denied but uh you know hopefully uh on on a going forward basis, we can, we can address these concerns.
0: How widespread is the problem? I mean, you talk about bullying in there, you you know, you heard the paragraph that I read, how widespread is the problem according to uh, you and your members, what your members
2: are telling you? You know, I think that, uh, you know, every organization has, you know, their, their issues with respect to racism. And, and ultimately, once again, like I said, you know, it's the leadership that is, 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 you know, going to provide direction and a change in that culture. I mean, the city is a big organization the, the you know, the city should be one that everyone looks to, other employers look to as, as, as you know, taking a leadership role on these types of, of issues. And, uh, you know, once again, um, you know, we're hopeful that we can work together. It just seems all too often that the city seems to take the position that they don't want to be seen as working together with their signatory unions, which is unfortunate. Um, I think that, uh, you know, in order to combat a problem, I think more of a collective effort is is required
0: and you don't feel like it's been that collective effort that you'd like to see
2: so far right well once again like i said you know when we've raised the issues um they've been denied um we've we've you know put recommendations forward we filed policy grievances denied um so not willing to hear it on our end but uh you know hopefully with some direction from the mayor and council maybe that'll change um we're hopeful we're going to keep trying we're not going to give up Hmm. and uh,
0: that letter was dated yesterday i don't imagine other than the statement i just read from the mayor's office you heard from the mayor i just want to clarify that
2: no i did have i haven't heard from the mayor um i can say that uh councilman marcus chambers has reached out to me and requested a meeting and uh so that'll be taking place shortly
0: okay hey uh gort really appreciate your help with this this afternoon on short notice thank you very much
2: okay take care and enjoy the rest of your day
0: you too. Gord Delbridge, the president of QP Local 500, uh writing a pretty uh tough letter. As I said to uh, Mr. Delbridge, a pretty tough stuff. Uh and you heard the mayor's uh, statement back and I, I guess we'll we'll see what comes of this. Uh, obviously, uh systemic racism is a problem in society in general, period. And uh uh, I, I will agree with both delbridge and bowman on one thing uh that everybody i think has to sort of work together uh on this issue if we're gonna get any headway that's for sure right now joining us for his regular friday afternoon visit dr cyrus dirksen cyrus good afternoon good
3: afternoon Harold. how are you doing
0: Excellent. You know, it's funny. We've had so much cold weather, and now, uh, you know, to get sunshine and zero, the forecast says, by Sunday. It does change, and it's Friday. It changes our mood, doesn't it?
3: It just changed mine. I just found out about that (laughs) when I heard you say it, and I'm feeling pretty good right
0: now. (laughs) Yeah, the kids will love being outside. I mean, that's the kind of weather uh, where, you know, when you're in the middle of February, you got to get outside and enjoy zero for sure.
3: 100 percent it's time to go outside
0: yeah. time to get out mm-hmm. hey uh i just wanted to ask you quickly a, a covid question here we have uh, three more cases of the uk variant in the province so a total of four now um which you know isn't enough a, a number at this point to be overly concerned about but we've seen what has happened elsewhere with this Uh, variant the uk variant and uh, the south african a couple of others as well um so there's certainly reason for concern um you know the numbers have been sort of gradually going down uh, in most parts of the province across the country we start feeling a little better about things and then you know the vaccines getting rolled out albeit slower than what we'd like but but then you've got you know a new wrench that's getting thrown into things in the form of this uk uh, variant. This is tough. It's it's like a bit of a roller coaster ride, isn't it?
3: I think I think it is a roller coaster ride. Honestly, um, it's hard for people to kind of uh, continue to cope with uh, with these letdowns uh, or potential letdowns. Um, I found it interesting, though. I've, I've kind of given a more hopeful perspective in my conversations with people that I know, and oftentimes you're like, "Well, COVID's kind of never going to end or something," you know, and and uh, so I, I kind of wonder if there's a little bit more and more of a kind of a, a cynical feeling out there. I don't know. I don't have any research on that. Uh, just be, mm-hmm. probably because of these ups and downs, right, like these kind of letdowns that we've had, you start to kind of be a bit more skeptical about, uh, you know, about what's really going to happen in the end and and how quickly that really is going to happen. I, I still remain hopeful. Yeah. I uh, I find that in most most things in life, when things get worse, they usually do get better um and vice versa <laughs> unfortunately yeah. uh but uh but yeah i think it is it, it makes everybody maybe just a little bit more more skeptical
0: mm-hmm. well listen uh fingers crossed and and we'll hope for the best and and you know follow the fundamentals which is mm-hmm. uh, a great way to to try and have the best outcome here uh a couple of things that we're going to talk about here today are prepared content for our segment here uh first headline the science behind why hobbies can improve our mental health, and I think we've really seen that during COVID nineteen, this pandemic. Eh?
3: Yeah, you're right, and and this is another thing that I'm that I'm also seeing for people is that you know as this extends on, we're seeing people struggling more with um, just you know you know people who don't really have a history of mental health problems or things like this just kind of starting to struggle because they're not able to kind of engage in the coping skills and. and Things that help them that they normally do, like vacations or or things like that. And you know what's lesser known is that um, you can actually have depression without sadness per se. Uh, you can have a smiling depression. And the two main symptoms of depression are are mood. You, in order to be depressed, you have to have one of these two: mood, lowered mood or sadness, or anhedonia, which is kind of a loss of interest in activities. And that would be kind of like hobbies and things like this. You know, you're just not interested in these things anymore. So theoretically, you could just be a lost interest in things. And then a few other symptoms that, you know, like lack of sleep or feelings of worthlessness or thoughts of death. You know, you have to have a few others as well. But those are the two that are required. And, and anhedonia is one of them. It's a major one. And uh, so that's how critical this is to depression. And it's also kind of uh, how critical it is to preventing depression. You you have to be able to engage in things, uh, just keeping people locked up is is not good. And, and it's a, it's actually a treatment for depression. It's kind of uh, prescribing called social prescribing or behavioral activation. When you kind of tell people to do things that they don't really feel like doing, they don't want to, It's not interesting. Um, but once you do it, once you actually engage in the activity, it produces uh, kind of a, it activates your reward center in your brain and it kind of kickstarts it again. And it actually can be a, de- a treatment for depression. So even if you even if you don't want to go do something, go, even if you don't want to go and engage in a hobby, and there's lots still that you can do, even during COVID, you know, play an instrument, exercise, draw, read, do a craft, I don't know, something. Even if you don't want to, it'll actually help you and and, and help you kind of activate that part of your brain again and hopefully help prevent or maybe relieve depressive symptoms.
0: Hmm. Because I do think, uh, you know, my experience working from home and being at home all this time – my experience is it's it's pretty easy to kind of just go through life and get the basics done. All I got to do that, so you know, um, and I can be a bit of a, a procrastinator at the best of times, and so <laughs> I've tried to break out of that and give myself a list and say, okay, aside from you know my job and the things that I have to do, I'm going to get this, 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 and this done. Um, and it's only been you know several days that I've been doing it, but it's it's kind of been helping. So I guess maybe that's kind of what you're talking about. It's not really a hobby, but it's it's mm-hmm. things that I'm forcing myself to do, and I do feel like I'm accomplishing things.
3: You can make the choice to do something that that you don't really feel like doing. I mean, yeah, granted, it's, it can be harder at times, and there's things um, that maybe can help you, you know, to kind of feel like doing something, like zero degrees on Sunday for example, so maybe that'll help some people to actually do this. But yeah, you know, you have to find something in your environment. I've been running around with my kids a lot. I found my kids were, we have this, you can run through the dining room and the living room and the kitchen in a circle in our house. And I was watching my kids doing laps one day spontaneously, and I'm like, maybe we need to do something. (laughs) And uh, and, uh, so, yeah, we've been kind of playing games and things like that, and and it helps, you know, it it finds something. It, It doesn't have to be anything in particular.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay, Uh something else I've been doing a lot more while I've been working from home is I have been drinking more coffee. And our next headline here, regular caffeine consumption affects brain structure. Now, are we talking about uh, adults that drink coffee? Is it a certain amount of coffee or what's the story here?
3: Well, what they did honestly, you're getting this I feel like I'm pulling Winnipeg into a little bit of a teasing thing between me and my wife. We kind of tease each other about coffee. I don't drink as much, and she drinks regular uh regularly um and so I'm always bringing up pieces of research you know against coffee <laughs> against coffee, and I always am ignoring the ones that are pro coffee and right. uh <laughs> and so um this is one that I kind of had some affection for because it was. Uh, you know the study done with with coffee drinkers. They had them go off. They had them take co- uh, take caffeine instead of drinking coffee. They had them take these caffeine pills, so it was very accurate. And uh, what they found was that the people of these regular coffee drinkers, the people who uh, went off of caffeine, their brain changed. And um, they found that uh, they the their, their part of their brain actually regenerated. Uh, For like, it actually changed the structure. Uh, you know, of their brain if they were off uh, of caffeine. So they could actually see the difference in the size of their brain. It got bigger if they went off of the caffeine. Now, I'm I'm saying this in a bit of a teasing way because, you know, it's like, well, that's kind of uh, alarming to to see, like, well, your brain's actually getting kind of regenerating here. It seems if you go off of caffeine, and maybe it should be, they, they were very clear in the study, though, to say, like, we don't know if this actually is, how this affects people. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting that it's temporary, like if you actually go off of, for only 10 days, if you go off of coffee, your brain, you know, the volume changes in your Mm -hmm. brain. Um, And, uh, but I don't, I can't say, you know, that this is actually a negative effect. I don't know, you know, what is actually happening, why the structure of the brain changes when you have the caffeine or if it's negative or long lasting or, or things like this. But it's just kind of one of those things that this is. You you really are doing something when you have when you have coffee mm-hmm. regularly, and I think uh, you know there's other research that says you know positive things about attention and stuff like that. So I don't want to ignore that, um, uh, but uh, I, I think it is something to think about. You know when I when I talk to people who who are using caffeine and are having real trouble sleeping or things like that, I'll I'll tell them you know maybe you want to try thinking coming off of caffeine to get you know help help you with your sleep, and oftentimes they Kind of ignore me when I talk about that. Yeah, uh, well, we love our coffee, that's why. We love your coffee, right? Yeah. So so anyway, uh, I don't know if I really have anything to say other than maybe to tease the coffee drinkers out there a little bit. uh, Mm. And and maybe one day we'll actually have some, you know, real conclusions here on what caffeine really does, because it does seem to do something.
0: Hmm. That, that's so much of this research and these studies that I read. You know, it's like, well, hey, this is what we found, but you know, more study is required. There, there's always, there's never a definitive. Here's what it does, and then you can read one study one day, and the next day there's one that says the opposite. So uh, you kind of take it all in. And but, but listen, drinking coffee, I know that. Uh, uh, if I uh, uh, if I go a day without having a coffee in the morning I I kind of feel it I it definitely mm-hmm. does something to me good or bad I'm not sure but it definitely does something all right one more here uh, before we let you go and start your weekend Dr Cyrus where is this going deciding the future of your, relationship boy am i glad i don't have to deal with questions like that anymore Uh, (laughs) i can remember that question in my mind many many times well listen uh you know and i guess there are people now that are married that may be asking that question so uh Mm. what what's the answer help us out
3: well it seems like there's a lot of things that people consider and and a lot of them you know have an impact um but they kind of the, the ones that are really an impact are maybe a little bit more obvious. Like, like one, the big one that really kills relationships is cheating, and, and maybe that's not too surprising. Although most people who are married and somebody has an affair, most relationships will make it. You know, the majority, but it's it's still one of the biggest things that affects people is that kind of really big betrayal. And and even with you know relationships, marriages survive a lot of negative things just because of inertia. There's a lot of momentum in a relationship, and so people will kind of move through a lot of negative a lot of negative things and and one of the things that was the most positive was positive disclosure so when people if you want your relationship to get better be vulnerable you know open yourself up now i would i would as a therapist have a caveat for this and say be careful about being vulnerable with somebody who's hurting you a lot regularly because you know having walls up you know emotional walls and boundaries we often talk about how it's good to get rid of those but those things are good if you're in a relationship that's uh kind of emotionally damaging and uh, so you want to. First, make sure that you're in a safer relationship that you can kind of work on those negative habits, and then, and then be more vulnerable. But being vulnerable is kind of a really positive thing for people. And it wasn't in this study, but I thought I'd bring up how another kind of one of the major factors that I read in another piece of research about what makes people decide to leave a relationship is whether they can, whether they feel, whether they perceive that they can find a better relationship, find a better partner. So people will stay in very negative ones if they feel like they can't find anything better. So, you know, that's often how people are, it's, it's much more practical than people like to believe, and it's not very romantic to think that way. Um, but these, these really are like, you know, risk-benefit decisions that people are making, choices that people are making in order to love or not to love. And, um, and that's often kind of what it comes down to for them. Uh, so we can keep our romantic ideas, but in the end, people really are trying to find a good life, and they're trying to, find the best life that they can. And um, and so that's often how these decisions are made.
0: Well, and maybe that's why, you know, some people stay in a bad relationship, not because they can't do better, because they probably can, because the person they're with is horrible, mm. but in their mind they don't think they can do better, right? So they stay. That's, ex- that's exactly right. And unfortunately, an abusive relationship makes people feel
3: Less worthy, less they feel more worthless, that affects their self esteem so mm-hmm. then that becomes a cycle right like I'm experiencing this abuse, so maybe I could find something better, but the abuse is actually making me feel like I can't find something better, and uh, yeah, so it becomes this this negative cycle of, of feeling you know like they really want to get out, but then feeling more and more worthless and and um and then they end up often staying um, mm-hmm. and that's one of the more challenging case you know type of cases that that I see is is people who feel trapped in these relationships and still have, and have so much difficulty going through this really hard steps of actually leaving. And uh, so, yeah, so if you're in a situation like that, it's good to get some help and and some support from somebody on the outside who can help to give you some perspective on what's really going on and and what your options are.
0: Cyrus got to let you go. Enjoy sunny and uh, zero on Sunday. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Hal.